Take your Bibles with me this morning and turn, if you will, to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I love the way that the music has pointed our hearts and minds to Jesus because that's exactly what I want to do this morning, is to point our minds to what we know to be true in times of trouble, true things to think on in troubling times. Our text is Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, and I'm going to do something I don't usually do. I'm just going to preach this morning on just a portion of this verse, because in this verse there are so many things that we could delve into. But I want to turn our hearts and minds. We live in a time when many people are burdened about things that they do not know to be true. Much of what brings anxiety, much of what brings trouble to our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our souls are things that might be true and could be true, but we don't know that they're true. And we take our, we take our focus and we put it on those things and we sort of cycle it through our mind. And just like the, if you watch the news channels, they get these, they'll get one story and they just cycle through it over and over and they have every Yahoo in the country that wants to talk about it to show up and be on screen to talk about that topic. And everybody has an opinion, and like they used to say about Baptist preachers, they're occasionally wrong, but they're never in doubt. And they will talk, and they just go over it and over it. And I have visited with some folks in the past weeks, and I wonder why their minds are burdened and they're disturbed. And then I realize when I look at their television, and the whole time you're there, and the whole time all through the day, they're feeding their minds on things that might be true and could be true, but we don't know that they are. Our thinking is important when it comes to our Christian life. Our thinking will affect our walk with God. Your walk with God is, is touched by how your thought life is. Our work for God, our witness to God, and our worship of God. Every aspect of our Christian life is affected by our thinking. The Bible has much to say about the the life of the mind and about our, our thinking. Sometimes when we start saying thinking, you start thinking, oh, it's going to be something heavy and something. No, I'm just talking about the thoughts that go through our mind. You're sitting here this morning, and your mind works much faster than I can talk. And so it's a, some of you have to work at really being focused because your, your mind is running in all sorts of directions. And some of us are like the dog in the movie Up, Squirrel. Our minds are all over the place. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And you hear something, and that's the danger of not holding a copy of the scriptures, and I'm not, I'm not going to point anyone out, but that's the danger of using digital means, because you know what, you're sitting there thinking, and your mind, you're very easily distracted by, oh, wait a minute, I need to check that out. I have Bible programs on my phone, and I am tempted constantly when I'm listening to a sermon to look words up, and I don't need to look that word up at that time. That's a Bible thing to do. It's not like I'm checking my email or scrolling through Twitter or tweets or X or threads or whatever it is this day, and our, it's easily distracted, and our thinking, our thinking is important. So I'm going to ask you in these moments to not only give me your thoughts and focus on what I'm saying, but I want you to focus on what the Word of God says. God's Word is what is key. It's not what I say in this sermon. It's not my words. It is the words of God that are key for us in understanding this truth and putting this truth into practice. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that rebellion against God starts in the mind. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. The problem with turning away from God starts in a person's mind. It all actually starts in their heart as well. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart, 
there is no God. And so he says it in his heart because he's thought it in his mind. He speaks what he thinks and it affects his heart. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says that we are to be transformed. How? How are we spiritually transformed in our Christian walk? By the renewing of our minds. Our minds need to be constantly renewed. Why? Because the old way of thinking will lead us to despair. And it will lead us to fear. And it will lead us to worry and cause us to fret. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of what? A sound mind. Ephesians 4.23 says that we are to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What are we doing when we have those thoughts that think on things that we should not think on? We are to bring them into captivity so that they obey Christ. Proverbs 23.7 says... As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Our thinking affects us. And we think about a lot of things that could be true and might be true, and it draws us, it weighs us down. Much of the fear in our day, much of the conspiracies and the worries and the rumors and the fears that trouble us and they pull us toward despair are things, then we were dwelling on things, that we don't know to be true. And in this verse, Paul tells us to think on things, first of all, that are true. Look at these verses. I want to begin reading in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful, be filled with care, be worrying about nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding. How many of you have experienced that peace that passes all understanding? Many of you have. Some of you are experiencing it right now. There are those in our church family that are going through challenges and they're going through grief and they're experiencing sorrows and they're going through low moments. And the only thing that is carrying through this carrying them through this and will carry them through this is the peace of God that passes all understanding. And it will keep, it will guard your hearts and minds. Why do our hearts and minds need to be guarded? Because wrong thinking is constantly bombarding us and it needs to be guarded. He says in verse 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. What things? Think on things that are true. I want to preach to you this morning on some true things to think on in troubling times. And when I say troubling times, I'm not talking just about the environment of our world. I'm not just talking about where we are in a troubling day. I'm talking about in the days and in the times when our hearts and our minds and our spirits are troubled within us. We get news that troubles us. We go through experiences that trouble us. We hear reports and we wonder about things and it disturbs us and it burdens us and grief overwhelms us. And you go through days and days and days and you think you're going to be past it and it hits us again and our minds and hearts are constantly troubled. 
What does Paul tell us to do? What does God tell us to do? He says, I want you to think on the things that you know are true. The things that align themselves with reality. You see, there are some things that could be, might be, but here's some things that we know to be true and to be real. Some things we can count on. The word true also has the connotation of that which is reliable, that which you can depend on. I want to give you this morning six truths from the Word of God. And I want you to be clear that these are not just things that I drew out of a hat. These are things that the Scriptures are clear about that we know to be true. And they are things that you and I, when our hearts and minds are troubled, and when we're worrying this week, and when we're disturbed about what's taking place in our world, or our life, or our family, or our community, we can rest in these things, and we can draw our minds back to these truths. And when we're starting to feel anxious, and we're starting to be depressed, and we're starting to fret and worry, and all those things that we don't want our mind to go to, we can pray and say, God, I want to think on the things I know to be true. So what do we know to be true? First of all, we know this truth. God is. God is. That is the simplest, most basic truth that we can rest in. There is a God. The Bible doesn't try to persuade of that. The Bible simply assumes that. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong for those who do apologetics work and they give arguments for the existence of God and they give reason for the existence of God. I'm simply saying that the Bible doesn't start from the assumption that we have to prove who God is or that God exists. It starts with the assumption. And then it's declared by Scripture that God exists. No matter where I am, no matter what is taking place, the most basic truth that I can know beyond the shadow of a doubt and I can rest in and I can find my assurance in is that God is. In fact, that's, that's what he says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. He that cometh unto God must believe that he is. Yes, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, but the very first part of faith is the belief that God is. There's a second truth that we can take our minds to when we're worried and we're stressing and we're fretful. And some of you this morning may need to remind yourself of this truth. And that is that God is good. God is, but God is good. God could exist without being good, but the scriptures are clear that God is good. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 44, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He is good in his nature, in his being, in his person, in his characteristics, in his attributes. He is a good God. Ezra chapter 3 and verse 11, they sang praising and giving thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 25 and verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. Psalm 23, 6, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 145, verse 9, the Lord is good to all. James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those and give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Psalm 27, 13, and this is maybe where some of you are. He says, I had fainted. Are you almost ready to, is, is your heart almost fainting? Is it 
had almost, God, I can't take another step. I can't face this situation anymore. I can't carry this burden. And often the burden itself adds to the burden because we're struggling with hope for the future and we feel like there's no end to the despair and there's no end to the worry and there's no end to the anxiety and there's no end to the battle in our minds and that weighs even more heavily. He said, I had fainted unless I had been sure I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Aren't you glad for the goodness of God? Aren't you glad that we can know not only that God is, but that God is good? If we want to keep from losing heart, he said, I had fainted, I had lost heart, I had lost all hope. If we want to keep from losing heart, we must remind ourselves that God is good. Another truth that we can take our minds to when we're worried and we're fretful and whatever is taking place, when all these thoughts are flooding our minds, one thing, think on this truth. God's word is truth. God's word is true. 2 Samuel 7, 28, your words are truth. Psalm 12, 6, the words of the Lord are pure words. Can I pause just a minute and say, I'm not going to ask you, can I pause? I'm going to pause a minute. I'm going to do it whether you say or not. So I want to pause just a minute and say this. We fill our minds with impure words. We fill our minds with profane words. We fill our minds with doubtful words. We fill our minds with all sorts, the music that we listen to, the books that we read, the television and movies that we watch, and we fill our minds with all those kind of words. And then we wonder why we are fearful, and we wonder why we are anxious. The words of the Lord are pure words. Fill your mind, fill your heart, fill your soul with the word of God. Is there other issues that relate to fear and anxiety and depression? Absolutely. But you can do no less than fill your mind with God's word and the truths of it. The words of the Lord are pure words. Psalm 119 and 160, the word, thy word is true from the beginning. John 17 and verse 17, Jesus said to the Father, your word is truth. I am so glad this morning that I can know I can rest in the truth that God's promises and God's word is sure. I can go to it time and time again. Some of you could stand this morning and testify of times in your life when you have rested in the promises and the word of God. That's why it's so important when our children memorize verses and our students study the word and they memorize verses. Why? Because there's going to be times now and later in life when they need to go back to the word of God. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for as a child, being taught the Word of God, memorizing Scripture, so that to this day, I can not only remember when I learned it and who taught it to me, and I can remember the passage. There are times when the Word of God comes back to me, and I don't remember where it came from, but I know that I learned it at some point. I, ta I was taught it, and I memorized it, and I hid the Word of God in my heart, and I need to hear those pure words. I need to be reminded of those promises. I need to rest in what is true. Think on what is truth. Many scriptures that we could give this morning that assure us that God's promises are true and his promises are sure. But let me just give you this one. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Wherein God, 
willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise the immutability, the unchangeableness of his counsel. God's counsel, God's purpose, God's plan, God's nature is unchanging. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. But God, willing more abundantly to show that, he wants us to know this. This is an important truth. He's emphasizing it. He gave an oath. He confirmed it with an oath that by two immutable, two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor for the soul. Do you need an anchor for your soul? Are you troubled? Are you tossed about? Is your mind filled with worry and storms and fret and you wonder how things are going to turn out and you have no hope? I want you to know that he has given us a strong consolation. He has given us a refuge. He has given us a hope that is an anchor for our soul. It is steadfast and which has entered into that within the veil. Do you need an anchor for your soul this morning? Remind yourself of the truth of God's word and the promises and that they are true and they are sure. When I'm wondering in my mind about what's taken place and I'm wondering about what to do and I'm wondering what will happen and how will this turn out, I'm worrying about things that are not true. You see, we worry, anxiety says, what if? It's about the future. And the future is not true because it hasn't happened yet. So why should I fill my mind with the what-ifs of the future and I need to look at the what-is of God's Word? God's Word is true. Here's another truth that you can always rest in. God loves you. God is. God is good. God's Word is true. God loves you. How excellent is your loving kindness, your unfailing love, O God, Psalm 36, 7. Romans 5, 5, hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 3, 1, behold, behold what manner of love, how great the love of God towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 9, in this is manifested the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. That's the love of God. God loves. And if you wonder, if anybody cares about you, you may feel like nobody notices. You may care like those closest to you don't care about you. They're not worried about you. They don't, they don't love you. There are those who will say, express their love based on what they have done. But if you wonder if anyone loves you, or you ever wonder if God loves you and cares about you, remind yourself that he loved you so much that he sent his son to be the sacrifice to pay for all the wrongs that you have ever done. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God knew all the wrongs that I would ever do, and he still loved me anyway. God knew all the wrongs that you would ever do. Nothing you do will ever surprise God. Every time there's some kind of terrible thing that takes place, they interview family and friends. And what do the family and friends say? Wow, I never saw that coming. God's never said that about me. 
God's never said that about you. No matter how wrong you have sinned, God's never said. That shocked me. I didn't see that one coming. God knew all the wrong that we would do, and he loves us anyway. So when we're sitting there in our weariness and in our sin, and we're saying, God, please forgive me. I don't know how you could possibly love me. Heard of a parent one time that said to their child, they were in anger, and they said, if I had known how you would turn out, I would never have had you. The pain that that would cause to know that that love is based on performance, but God's love for me is not. No matter how I feel about how people feel about me, God loves me. Aren't you glad for God's love? Herein is love, not that we loved him, but that he first loved us and gave his son to be the provided sacrifice for our sins. And so when we're in our weariness and we're in our lowest point, we can know that God loves us. Truth number five, think on this truth. God is in control and his purposes will not fail. We live in a time when there's a lot of concern about who's actually in charge. Is it the White House? Is it Hollywood? Is it the corporations? Is it the Illuminati? Is it um, who knows what it is? And everybody's got an idea about who's in charge. Let me tell you who's in charge. Let me tell you who's still on the throne, and that is God. God is still on the throne. He hasn't abdicated. He hasn't taken a break. He hasn't turned it over to any humans. God is in control. And there are times when those worries and the disturbances fill my mind. And let me just say, if you constantly fill your mind with those kind of things, don't be surprised when your heart is troubled. Don't be surprised when your mind is worried. Don't be surprised when you're concerned and you're fretful and you can't sleep at night. God gives his beloved sleep. He gives us rest. And how does he do that? How does he give us that peace that passes understanding? When we settle our minds on what we know to be true, boy, I'm thankful for what is true. And I'm thankful for the times in my life when my heart has been disturbed and my spirit is low and my mind is troubled, when I can go to the things that I know, I'll put the things aside that, wow, I'm concerned, I'm worried about this. What if this happens? What if that takes place? What if this person does this? And I put those things aside and I take my heart and my mind by the work of the Spirit of God to take me back to this is what I know to be true. And it's true that God is in control. His purpose will not fail. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 8. The Lord goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So fear not, neither be dismayed. God knew his people would be fearful and dismayed. And so he told them, I am with you. Being confident of this very thing, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What God starts, he finishes. What is he doing in us? Well, he tells us in Romans chapter 8, we know verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. This promise is not for everyone, it's for believers. What is God's purpose for believers? Well, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to what? 
to be conformed to the image of His Son. God's ultimate purpose for you and I is for us to be like Jesus. And that's going to happen. One day, those He justified will be glorified. And it will happen. As certain as my justification is, my glorification is also certain. Because whom He did predestinate, them He also called. Whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. God will finish what He starts. And whatever's taken place in my life does not change that. Whatever's happening in your life does not change that. The grief that you feel, the sorrow that you feel, the detours that you feel like you're taking, the path that God has for you, yes, God has a wonderful plan for your life. But don't be shocked when He defines wonderful a little, a little differently than you do. He has a wonderful plan, but it's for us to be like Jesus, and He'll take us through whatever He has to take us through to get us there. So wherever I am and whatever's taken place in my life, I can rest in the fact that God's purpose will be fulfilled in me. Last truth. We know that God is. We know that God is good. We know that God's word is true. We know that God loves us. We know that God is in control, but we also know that God is enough. God is enough. When you're worried about what you're gonna, where your needs are going to be met, when you're worried about what's taking place and the stressful things that go on in our lives. As someone recently, we were talking about anxiety and stress. I said, where would we be in life without stress? Probably be, I don't know where we would be, but everyone faces stress. Some deal with it differently than others. Some face different levels of anxiety and uncertainty and concern and care, but we all face it. God is enough for every need that we have. Joshua 1.9, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest, wherever you go. That is not just wherever your feet are planted in the land of Canaan, Joshua. Whatever you're going through, and let me say to you this morning, whatever you are facing, whatever you are going through, whatever you are experiencing, God is there with you, and He is enough for that situation. God is walking with some of you through grief. You've lost loved ones in these past days, and God is walking with you. He walked with them through the valley of the shadow of death, and He's walking with you as you go through that shadow. There are some of you who are disturbed and troubled, and this time of the year is sometimes very difficult because of grief or because of separation from others or bad memories of what has taken place at this time and around the holidays. And there's all sorts of things that swirl through our minds, and we're wondering where is this going to come from and how is this going to happen. And when all of that takes place, I want to remind you that wherever you are, God is there and He is enough. Jesus is enough. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, according as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you need, He is, and He will provide. You see, at my lowest point, at my weakest moment, at my worst day, I never have anything less than Jesus, and He's all that I need. He is all. I love the, the story of the old Puritan coming to the table and there's bread and there's water and he raises his hands to give thanks and he says, all this and Jesus too. Whatever you have and Jesus too is enough. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, I love this verse. And God is able 
to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I love the superlatives of that. All, all, abound, every, every good work, all grace, abound to you. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, we are not sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. Whatever you're facing, whatever's going on, whatever is weighing on your mind, don't dwell on that. Dwell on what you know to be true. God is enough. God is sufficient. Jesus is enough. These are truths. Think on these things. Let the Holy Spirit train your mind. Our minds naturally follow little grooves in our brain, and they follow those grooves, and we think this thought, and it leads to this reaction, and this response, and this emotion, and this action. And what we need to do is allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to rearrange those grooves. We need Him to renew our minds for us to, when we think about that problem, for us not to dwell on that, but to think on the truth of God, the promise of God that goes with it. And when I have a need, instead of fretting and worrying about, well, how's it going to be met and where's it going to come from and what do I need to do, I turn it over to God and I rest in the promise that says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And I rest in those promises. And instead of moving to emotions of anxiety and fear and worry and depression, it moves me to faith and it moves me to grace. And grace abounds so that I have all sufficiency in all things to do all that I need to do. That's why Paul could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. We are sufficient in God. These are, these are truths to think on. And some of you will say, well, Pastor, I, I think on the, I know those things. There's a difference between knowing them and thinking on them. You can know something, but then to just dwell on it and let that be what you rest on. To turn off that loop of that reel that goes around and around in your mind about pain of the past or the problems of the present or the possibilities of what might happen in the future, and focus on the promises of God's Word. Why so many scriptures? Why have I, every one of these I've tried to use scripture? Why? Because these truths are not my truths. These are God's truths. And when you're going through hard times, and your mind is burdened, and your soul is struggling, and your spirit is disturbed, and your heart is melting within you, you don't need the word of man. You need to rest in the word of God. And you need the promises of God, and you need the truths from Scripture that that is what you do. And when temptation is raging against your soul, you need to use the weapons of our warfare, and you need to bring those thoughts into captivity to Christ, and you need the truth of God's Word. Not just these verses that I've shared, but others. Search the Scriptures. Find the Scriptures. Let the Word of God quicken those truths to your heart so that when temptation and worry and anxiety and fear comes, you are ready to do battle with the weapons of our warfare that are not fleshly, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let me give you one verse of Scripture to just give you what I'm talking about. 
we could take many. We could go and we could find all of these, for example, in Psalm 23, a familiar psalm. But let me give you one verse of Scripture, and I'm going to walk through all six of these truths. Psalm 57 and verse 2. I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performs all things for me. In this verse, I know the truth that God is. I will cry to God. He doesn't say if there's a God. He says, I will cry. God is there. God is. God is good. He says he does these things for me, not just on my behalf, but for my benefit and for my welfare and for my good. God's word is true. He says he performs all things. It means he fulfills his purpose for me. God will do what he has said he will do. God loves me. He performs all things for me. He does this because of his love. It tells me that God is in control. He is the most high. I will cry to God the most high. He is the sovereign one over all. And the sovereignty of God does not mean that God has predetermined every detail that will happen, but it means that there is no detail in this world that can happen that will ever supersede his plan and his purpose and his power. It tells me that God is enough unto God who performs all things for me. Is your mind troubled? I could probably ask this question and many hands would go up, but how many of us have faced moments this week when our hearts were disturbed, our minds were troubled, our spirit was shaken within us? Maybe it was a big thing. Maybe it was a small thing. Maybe it was the accumulation of many things that just finally wear you down. What do we do, Pastor? We do what God says. We think on true things. We think on what is true. God is. God is good. God's words are true. His promises are sure. God loves me. God is in control. And God is enough. This morning, maybe you need to commit your mind to God. You've allowed your mind to run all over the place, and you've allowed these things. You've not put up a defense. You've not fought against these things. There may be somebody here this morning that the first thing you need to do is give your heart and life to Christ. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. I want you to know that to have this battle and win this battle, it starts with trusting Christ as your Savior. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you could be ransomed from all the wrong, sinful things you've ever done. But this morning, Christians, you need to commit your heart and mind to Christ. You need to say, God, you've said these things are true. I believe them to be true. I commit my mind to thinking your truths. It won't be the last time that you have to do it. It'll need to be a regular practice. It'll need to be something that we need to do multiple times a day and every day. But begin right now. Maybe this morning an invitation, you need to come and commit your mind, commit your thoughts to thinking on things that are true. You need to bring your anxieties, bring your depressions, bring your fear, bring your temptations, and allow the Spirit of God to renew your mind this morning. Father, I pray this morning that you will speak to us. 
There are many in this congregation that are carrying heavy burdens in their minds. And Lord, they need to quit thinking on what might be and what could be and carrying those burdens. They need to lay those burdens at your feet and they need, Lord, to commit their mind to thinking on things that are true. I pray, Lord, that these truths will become weapons in our arsenal to fight the battle of wrong thinking and, Lord, to think on what is true. In this season of the year and at this time, there seems to be so many. Lord, give us this, give us this battle.